This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on your smart speakers, Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott, we've been hanging out with you, filling in for the guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Randy Scott ESPN. That's him. He needs your follows at Amber W Sports. <laughs> that's me. I've got so many, but if you want to oh give me more. God. Check it out. Uh, you can also give us a call. Triple eight say ESP at 888-729-3776. If you guys miss, though, Chris Canty or Chris Carlin, you can normally hear them sometimes filling in on Greeny. Canty has been on Greeny with his friend Roe Parrish all week, but we decided you need some more Chris Canty. So Chris Canty joins us now, co-host of this show, Canty and Carlin. And Canty, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you. Absolutely. And just to be clear, I don't have nearly as many followers as you or Randy. <laughs> what? I, I think that's a bold no face lie, but I appreciate you uh, pretending anyways. Make me feel a little bit better about myself. So obviously the big news of the day, Canty, is the Deshaun Watson suspension. We now know because of the agreement between Watson's camp and the NFL that it will be an 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine. What do you make of this news that we, have finally, have a res- we finally have a resolution in this matter, but also that it's 11 games? Well, this is the middle ground that uh, both parties came to the conclusion was in the best interest in terms of being able to move forward. The NFL didn't want this looming over the entire season because had Peter Harvey suspended Deshaun Watson indefinitely and for the entire season, you're talking about Deshaun Watson and the NFLPA filing a lawsuit in federal court, and that's not the headline that the NFL wants. They had to deal with it throughout the entirety of the 2021 season. They didn't want it to mar the 2022 season. So from the NFL's perspective, I get why it makes sense. And for Deshaun Watson, it gives him an opportunity to resume his playing career this season. But, Amber, it would be nearly two years since we've seen Deshaun Watson in the game when he's able to step foot on a football field in early December in a meaningful game. So it's interesting to see how Cleveland plays this moving forward in terms of what they do in that quarterback room. And he didn't look good, uh, Deshaun Watson there, Chris, in the – Limited reps that we saw in the preseason action, but understanding that he doesn't have the physical question, like the actual health question that a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo has. And Garoppolo's name surfaces on a day like this because it felt like if there was a double-digit suspension for Watson, then maybe you look at a more established fill-in than Jacoby Brissett. And Garoppolo is available. He could be available for a much lower price tag if the Niners do just go ahead and part ways with him. So if the Browns can outweigh that, do they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I think they go take a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. Now it'd be interesting to see what the asking price will be from San Francisco now that there's blood in the water because San Francisco recognizes that Cleveland might be a little desperate. But this team, this roster is good enough to bring in a guy that is capable of shepherding a team to two NFC Championship game appearances over the past three seasons. So Jimmy Garoppolo makes a ton of sense from a scheme fit. Kevin Stefanski runs a West Coast offense, very comparable to what Kyle Shanahan runs out in San Francisco. I can't imagine it would take a whole lot to get Jimmy G up to speed in terms of what they do in Cleveland. So it would make a whole lot of sense. I mean, Cleveland Browns have a top 10 defense. They've got a top five running game. It feels like they're a quarterback away from being able to compete and potentially sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. If you have Jimmy G, I like their chances a lot more. I think this team is too talented just to give up on the season because of the Deshaun Watson suspension. 
Chris Canty, co-host of this show, Canty and Carlin, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys today. I did confirm Chris Canty has more followers on Twitter than both me and Randy Scott combined. <laughs> yes. Combined. Yeah, but if you want to give him some more follows, at uh, Chris no. Canty 99, although apparently he doesn't need them. Uh, Canty, uh, you, whether it's it's Garoppolo under center, whether it's Brissett, we're not going to see presumably jo- Deshaun Watson uh, again for the Browns until December 4th. That is when they play the Houston Texans. What was your reaction to the fact that Deshaun Watson's first game back is going to be against his former team? It's ironic. Um, I'm not quite sure that with all that both sides have gone through that game, that reunion actually means that much. Um, certainly, I know a couple of years ago, Deshaun Watson made the demand to be traded and Houston didn't acquiesce. There was some frustration, maybe some ill feelings there, but, but we've come a long ways from that point. So I know the game will have some sizzle from the media perspective and, and, and the coverage that will receive the attention. But I'm not sure that Deshaun Watson is going to spend that much time focusing on that. I think he's just excited about the opportunity to resume his playing career because the last time we saw him on an NFL field, he led the league in passing. The guy's pretty damn good at what he does. And there's a reason why Jimmy Haslam decided to take a chance on him. And I appreciate the transparency from the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, because he said, listen, we gave him a second chance because he's a really good quarterback in the National Football League. He didn't, he didn't try to sugarcoat it. He didn't mince words about it. And the fact that he was honest about why Deshaun Watson is his quarterback, I think it goes a long ways in terms of helping that franchise turn the page and move forward. Yeah, there's something about that franchise statement, though, and it was Haslam who made it when he brought up Kareem Hunt today, talking about guys who get second chances. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's video of Kareem Hunt hitting a woman. That's right, in the hotel hallway. And it sort of jogs the memory of people who are like, man, the Browns are habitual line steppers when it comes to the second chance thing. And they go after talent, sure, but then they act surprised at the fallout. They act surprised even annoyed at times at like, oh, man, why are people making such a big deal of this? Well, shouldn't the Kareem Hunt reaction have sort of shown you the blueprint for how people react to things like this? And, and Deshaun Watson with you know, 24 different uh, accusations is, is, is far more than, than the video that Kareem Hunt had out there. And I'm, I'm curious from a teammate reaction, Chris, if you're in that locker room, you're a Browns player who, even if you're not on the offensive side of the football, you've been dealing with questions about this and seeing the media crush what does a day like today, the ability to put your foot in the ground, plant as a franchise, and at least take a step, what does that do for guys in that locker room not named Deshaun Watson? It's somewhat of a relief because you don't have to worry about dealing with the questions surrounding it for the rest of the year. Everybody knows when Deshaun is coming back. And so it'll come back up when he's allowed to be back in the building in October. But, I mean, as far as a player, you, you have some certainty in terms of when Deshaun is going to come back. And so from that standpoint, you, you know what the path forward is for the team. And so I think that's the most important thing. Players want to know who's available, who's not, who are the guys that we got to ride with in order to try to get the job done. And so I think that clarity is going to help the guys in that locker room. But I will also say this, and this is going to sound you know, uncomfortable for a lot of NFL fans, don't be surprised if this is something that galvanizes that Cleveland Browns locker room. And you heard Joel Batonio say it after the preseason game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one, saying it's Cleveland against the world. They're taking shots at our quarterback. They're Mm -hmm. booing him when he's on the field. Guys in that Cleveland Browns locker room, whether you like it or not, they're going to have their quarterbacks back. Deshaun Watson is their franchise guy. And with the NFL 
being heavy-handed with this suspension and this settlement, don't be surprised if this, is, if this is somewhat of a rallying cry for the Cleveland Browns football team. Well, if it is a rallying cry, it appears that they're only going to be rallying for five games because that's all they're going to get. With Deshaun Watson, since we know now that he will be suspended for the first 11 games of the season. Chris Canty, co-host of this show, Canty and Carlin. Canty, thanks for coming by. All right. Thank you guys for holding it down. Coming up next, Stephen A. Smith returned this week on a boat. It was kind of random. Um, I'm glad nobody appeared to actually get seasick on national television. <laughs> I commend them all uh, for doing that and also for getting service out there. I, don't, I can't even get f- cell phone service well in certain parts of my house, Randy. I don't know how they did an entire show out there on the river. Nevertheless, I digress. Wait until you hear what he said about the Lakers' number one priority this offseason. That is next. This is Canty and Carlin. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Deshaun Watson News has been dominating the show and the headlines today, but there are other happenings in the world of sports. We're going to get to some hoops and Lakers talk in just a moment. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Canty and Carlin... I meant to, you know, I'm pulling a Randy Scott now because <laughs> I I just stopped after the mention instead mm. of actually reading the full thing. So here we go. Yeah. I'm going to need you guys to rewind your radios uh, wherever you're listening yep. to us. We appreciate you. Uh, rewind, reverse, mm-hmm. and let's try this again. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or at progressive.com. Typically, our executive producer, Evan Wilner, really enjoys working with me and Randy. I'm just going to go ahead and put those words straight into his mouth, even if he didn't say it. And (laughs) I think probably today more of a frustration for him because Randy Scott, with his sports center schedule uh is understandably exhausted at 6 17 eastern doing great guys um i am understandably exhausted because i've got a sick toddler who kept me up all night super uh, sharp. so uh but yes let's keep things sharp and keep moving forward who is always sharp on our network that of course is one Stephen a smith which is why that. he dominates in the ratings why he dominates first take but also he was on get up and he said something about LeBron's extension that I thought was really interesting. LeBron James agreed to a two-year, $97.1 million contract extension with the Los Angeles Lakers. The 37-year-old will be staying in L.A. at least just a little bit longer. Here with Stephen A. Smith on Get Up. 
When I spoke to Jeannie Buss a few a few months, a couple of months ago, she said the number one priority was for, to make LeBron James happy. That he was absolutely positively miserable walking around the facility last year. It was very, very difficult for them to look him in the face with the product that they put on the floor with him, considering the year that he was having. 30 year, 37 years of age, averaging 30 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and it was a year of his career that was wasted. The brilliance of Stephen A. Smith is his enunciation, right? The T's in priority, you know, and he enunciates the N in the word months. But it is interesting that with this conversation with Jeannie Buss, Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, Randy, would allude to the fact that keeping LeBron happy is maybe more important than actually doing the winning on the court or any other paramount concern for the Los Angeles Lakers. I guess in Jeannie Buss's mind, you've got to keep the greatest player of his generation. You, Yes, you do, especially as he chases down the greatest record in NBA history. He's, he's about 1,300 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time NBA scoring record holder, and that's a record. I mean, Kareem is probably the best Laker of all time. I mean, maybe not the most famous, maybe not the most, well, certainly not the most like charismatic in terms of Magic Johnson, but he is the most prolific Laker of all time. So to keep that record in the Laker family, and in this case, optically in a Laker uniform, is a no-brainer. If LeBron continues to average his career average at 27 points a game, he would pass Kareem this season in January against the San Antonio Spurs at home. It would be game number 49 on the regular season. Now, assume for a couple of days of maintenance and a couple of you know, maybe a little bit of a drop-off at this age, at age 38, to get down to below, you know, 27 points a game. Still, he would break it this season, barring injury. So that was part of it. But this is also the franchise here, Amber, where, you know, LeBron James has been de facto general manager. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Rob Palenka, but that is the deal that you make when you bring in LeBron because he gets who he wants. And as you get older as a player in the NBA, you are less aware of your own physical shortcomings if you're LeBron James, you've operated at an all-NBA level for the entirety of his of his career, but he's unaware, LeBron is, of the limitations of those around him, the, de- the decreasing physical ability of other players who are advancing in age. And I'm pointing specifically at Russell Westbrook. So if you're LeBron and you got who you wanted to play with last year and he was such a detriment to your team, then Jeannie Buss does not get saddled with the burden of keeping you happy. Because keeping you happy is giving you the guys you want to run with, and you're not the same eye for talent that you once were. I guess it depends on your definition of keeping him happy or what constitutes keeping LeBron happy. Because if you're right, putting the players that he wants in place is keeping him happy, then that may not be a winning strategy. It may not be the right way to go about things because presumably LeBron will be happy if they win. And so in order to do that, you may not need to be taking his advice in terms of what players are going to put him in the position to do that. It doesn't seem like he's happy having the guys around him that he wants when they're not doing the actual winning. And they miss the playoffs despite that over 30 points per game performance that you got from LeBron at 37 years old this season. But if keeping him happy means making him the highest earning player in NBA history, which he now is with $532 million in guaranteed money throughout his career already on the books, 
then that is a way to keep him happy. And in that sense, sure, do it because it pays off, right? Because he is the greatest player of his generation because he is the biggest name in the game. And there is something to having that guy on your franchise. So it depends what it takes to keep him happy and what the definition of that is. If it's handing him this extension, I have zero problem with keeping him happy. I applaud the Lakers for doing it. Mm -hmm. If it's listening to him for front office advice, I'm just not sure he's the same caliber of general manager as he is as a player because so far it has looked like he's a much better player than he is a GM. This deal puts him over 500 and some odd million. I think it's like $523 million in just NBA salary in his career. So it makes him the all-time richest NBA player, right? The highest earning NBA player just from a basketball salary. He passes Kevin Durant by the time this this deal is, is over. And I just bring that out because I don't think he's purely motivated by money anymore. I think hitting the billion dollar threshold, billion dollar threshold by virtue of salary and by virtue of uh, you know Nike dealings and business holdings and things like that. I think that number matters, sure, because he's the first to do it in the NBA. Or well, I guess Jordan was probably the first, but but you know what I mean. Like I think that number matters. So I don't think he's financially motivated. I think keeping him happy is. Okay, it's not it's not just winning. It's winning how LeBron wants to win and with whom he wants to win. So that's where it is. It's like he's reached this age and this you know cachet in the NBA. He's earned the right to be able to say, "Hey, I'm LeBron James. I want to play with my friends, and I know that I can win with them." Because go back to the first part of this statement, I'm LeBron James. And as you get older, LeBron cannot physically impose his will on a game the way he could even three, four years ago. So you position yourself, if you're LeBron, to play with Anthony Davis, and then you think, we just need one more piece. We need one more piece, and it's got to be it's Russell Westbrook. He's the energy guy. He'll play defense when I won't. He'll hustle back when I won't because LeBron's a little bit more judicious with his in-game physical investment now on the defensive end and getting back in transition. And it's just it didn't pan out last year. Maybe Maybe that one miss was just that, but it's a miss that the Lakers can't move on from. That's how bad it was so far. LeBron's always had this thing with his friends, right? I mean, we know, obviously, with his childhood friends and the relationships and business relationships that he still has with those guys today. We also know that he has a thing with playing with his friends, right? We've seen it work out in Miami with Dwayne Wade. We've seen how close he is to some of these guys in the league. The problem is... When all of your friends are much older, because now you're 37 years old also. So by the way, your entire peer group has aged. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. maybe playing with your friends or playing who you want to play with or who you're more comfortable playing with because of the relationships that you have with them isn't the best decision in terms of actually winning championships. But I actually don't think it's the winning that motivates LeBron anymore or the money in terms of NBA money that motivates him. I think it's everything else. Like I thought, I don't think he went to Los Angeles to win championships. I mean, I think that the winning the championship there was a great bonus almost. I think he went to Los Angeles because he wanted to live in Los Angeles and because of everything else Los Angeles offers in terms of business opportunity, in terms of Hollywood and Tom's in terms of things that he'll move forward with in his life far beyond basketball. So I'm not sure it's just anymore about the winning to LeBron or about the money to LeBron. I feel like that there's bigger things and that it's those things that have probably kept him a Los Angeles Laker now for two more seasons. We'll see what happens after that. Maybe some of that has to do with Bronny James. Coming up next, week two of the NFL preseason starts tonight, and we may learn a lot about a quarterback in year two. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin with Amber Wilson and Randy Scott. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. There is football tonight if you're jonesing for it. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy Scott ESPN. You can follow me at Amber W Sports. So the Chicago Bears take on the Seattle Seahawks tonight. That is an 8 p.m. kickoff. So let's talk about the Chicago Bears. And for that, we bring in, of course, our friend, Courtney Cronin, ESPN Bears reporter. And Courtney, I want to start with you with something that Chris Canty, who typically hosts this show, said on Get Up. Take a listen to Canty talking about Justin Fields' development. I'm concerned because if you looked at his rookie season, he was one of the most contacted quarterbacks in the National Football League. So the Bears are going to have to figure out how to keep him clean. But moving forward, I'm curious to know how much runway general manager Ryan Poles is going to give Justin Fields. Because if it is going to be a struggle in terms of overall wins for this team this season, if they stay with Justin Fields in 2023, you're talking about this team having a high draft pick without needing a quarterback and also having over $100 million in cap space. They can overnight transform the supporting cast for Justin Fields. It's just going to be a rocky start this year, and that's why it'll be up to offensive coordinator Luke Getze to make sure that he does his best to develop Justin Fields, despite the team not overall having a lot of success around. What's your reaction to what Canty said there, Courtney? He's spot on. It's it's how do you improve without the burden of winning games weighing you down? Like that is the prerogative for Justin Fields this year because all these year two quarterbacks, all five that were taken in the first round in 2021 are going to be linked together. And all we're going to be talking about this year is how much did each guy improve? And I know it's been said on this show. I know I've said it on other places. I feel like Fields is probably in one of the more precarious situations in year two because of what's not around him. And I sat down with him the other day talking to him about the label that's on this team that they didn't do enough to put talent around him. And he he said, and maybe it's a motivation tactic. Maybe you don't believe it. He said, I kind of like that because we're going to show people there are a lot of hidden gems and and pieces that you wouldn't expect to, you know, be something in this offense that are going to be something. So we'll we'll see, but I think his job is going to be, infinitely harder this year because the offensive line has been a work in progress and had a lot of moving parts all throughout the offseason. We haven't seen what the projected starting five is going to be in training camp at all because Lucas Patrick, their starting center, their big free agent acquisition, hurt his hand the first day and hasn't been at practice since. On top of that, you've got a depleted receiving core, and this is tough because you're asking this quarterback to make a jump this year, but you didn't do enough around him to, to, to aid in that happening. So how does he do that in a way on his own, which is tough to ask for. And it's also tough to blame the bears because 
they had so many holes. They were this is a full on rebuild. This is a definition of a rebuild because they started from the ground floor with this group in ripping everything to the studs. So it was going to set up Justin Fields for a really tough season, regardless of whatever they were to put around him. So if we're not defining quarterback success or improvement by wins and losses, and it seems like, just as you said, Courtney, that the team is getting away from that pressure on a second-year quarterback dealing with his you know, second NFL head coach and second offensive scheme and losing Allen Robinson and so on and so forth. How do you define, if you're the Bears, how do you define both improve or either? How about that? Either improvement or success here in year two for Justin Fields? You know, the offense that they're installing is supposed to be quarterback-driven. And what that means in my mind is doing the things that Justin Fields does best, not getting him into a situation where he's having to carry the weight of this offense. So I think, how does he look in this scheme? Does he have the ability to get better in terms of pocket presence? Like, are there tangible steps that he can take to fix some of the fatal flaws of his game, which are holding onto the ball too long, you know, not stepping up into the pocket, vacating before he goes through all of his reads, stuff that like all young quarterbacks by and large end up dealing with. But for fields, you've got to find marked improvement so you can know going into year three, okay, there's still, you're not going to have your answer. I know everybody wants the answer after year two. Like, like we talk about in Miami, like, is Tua the answer? Are they going to get ready to punt on him after year three now? Like, I don't think that's fair for someone like Justin Fields, who's in a situation that is tough. Two different staffs in two years, and he's a talented quarterback. They hedged their franchise and what they were able to do in the draft this year on getting him last year. So I think that there are ways that they can measure that. And it's, it's interesting because I go back to owners meetings and yeah, that was March. Everybody's riding high and you know, you're, you can say whatever the heck you want at that time of year. Matt Eberflew saying, yeah, we, we expect a big jump out of Justin Fields in year two. He's not saying that exact same phrasing. I think that they're being cautious and smart with the way that they're putting out their expectations for fields that yeah, they're optimistic about him. He's talented, but they're not expecting him to become a franchise quarterback in year two. I just feel like the team's realistically way too far away from being able to tell if he's going to be that guy. But can you start putting things and moving things in the right direction so when free agency hits next year, you can go out and get an offensive lineman or two. You can go out and get a wide receiver that could be a difference maker and continue to build around him in that way. A quarterback's only as good as its O-line, right, Courtney? And you keep mentioning the O-line, unless, of course, I I guess you're in Cincinnati. But typically, a quarterback's only as good as its O-line. This one was atrocious last season. It allowed a league-high 58 sacks. You mentioned that Lucas Patrick got injured right away in training camp. Um, Outside of of white hair and Patrick though. I mean, this is a really, really uncertain line with a new blocking scheme. Is there any chance that there will be protection for Justin Fields that looks somewhat better than it did last season? Because to your point, it seems really impossible to evaluate him if he's not getting any time behind that line. Well, I will say this. I've been impressed by Braxton Jones. And I think that the jury obviously is still out on a rookie fifth rounder, and we saw him in 18 snaps of preseason action. But the fact that we only saw him in 18 snaps of preseason action tells you that he's probably their week one starting left tackle. Leaving that job up to someone who's that young and, and you know played at Southern Utah, an FCS school, like there are some concerns there, but he can play. I mean, coaches and evaluators I've talked to the last week or so 
have been really impressed by the way that Braxton Jones handled the preseason and what he looks like right now. So to me, I think that the protection issues, like they've got a, like you can only protect, you're only as good as your offensive line. Like you said, you're only as good as what you can do up front, but there are ways to roll him away from pressure. There are ways to put him in situation where you're relying on a heavier dose of bootlegs and play action to, to not have to, put him under such immense pressure where he has to get rid of the ball quicker than he's probably more most comfortable doing. So I think a lot of that is actually capable of this offensive line that they can do things like that. But again, it's the interior pass protection too. That's not sorted out. Like right guard seems like it's a wide open battle and Tevin Jenkins, I would expect tonight their second round pick from a year ago that they're trying to figure out where does he go? Where does he fit? He probably will get a lot of run tonight. There's still spots on the line that are far from being decided. And that's, I guess it's probably okay if you're at week 17, excuse me, August 17, and you're trying to get, you know, everything figured out and settled. But it is, I mean, at some point you'd like to know and have at least like one game or two where all five are out there before week one against San Francisco just to know how they're going to gel and what field is going to look like his comfort level behind that line. Yeah, it would be really not okay if we didn't know by week 17. But we also might not know by week 17 <laughs> with the situation in Chicago. Uh, again, the Chicago Bears take on the Seattle Seahawks tonight. That is an 8 p.m. kickoff for preseason game two. Courtney Cronin, she covers the Bears also, of course. She's all over ESPN Radio and every other show on ESPN these days. Courtney, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Coming up next here on Canteen Carlin, the Bears play the Seahawks tonight, and one ESPN expert thinks Seattle may be just a quarterback away from getting back into contention. That'll be that next. This is ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Amber Wilson and Randy Scott filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. So Randy Lewis Riddick, he is, of course, ESPN's NFL front office insider. He was on the Rich Eisen show and he said something interesting about Joe Burrow because it'd be hard to be better, frankly, than Joe Burrow was last year. But take a listen to Lewis Riddick. When you objectively. Yes. Look at some of the met, some of the metrics like, you know, like next gen completion percentage above expectation and all that stuff. Yeah. Joe Burrow. He's right in there, top three, four, five, top three, four, five, every category, every single one behind an offensive line that my, my high school offensive line could have blocked better than his points last year. <laughs> and that's a fact. I mean, we saw it. You saw it. We all saw it. And Joe, this yeah. year, he don't have to run for his life. He doesn't have to be perfect every single time. Last year, he had to be perfect every play. Otherwise, he knew that his life was in danger from getting hit. This year, hopefully it won't be that way. Now, last year, the league's comeback player of the year. I mean, he found a way, obviously, to really blow all expectations out of the water and lead a team with a terrible O-line, frankly, all the way to the Super Bowl. But it's hard to imagine Burrow being better right now. I mean, I could understand. Like, last year, yes, you expected the big leap because he's coming off of the injury. This year, I guess we're just expecting the big leap because he's coming off of a bad O-line that presumably should be better this season? I think the O-line will be better this season. And you, you want to look at 
you know, 14 interceptions, a couple of lost fumbles. Like maybe his ability to process quicker will be the noted improvement. So maybe getting the ball out a little quicker, maybe not taking as many sacks. I think maybe that in combination, like his own ability and getting more comfortable going against NFL caliber defenses combined with the improved O-line, like maybe that is how much better he'll be. But I could see him getting 40. I really could. He had 34 touchdowns a year ago and 4,600 yards. If he keeps roughly in the same neighborhood yard-wise but goes up to 40 touchdowns and maybe down to 10 interceptions, that is a, that's a market improvement. That is a, that is a notable improvement for a guy where, I don't know, the, the, like you said, Amber, there's not a lot of room to improve for him. Yeah, and a guy who's in a division now where we know Deshaun Watson's not going to be available for the Browns for the first 11 games of their season. The Pittsburgh Steelers situation at quarterback. I mean, I don't even know who's going to end up under center there, but I'm not very impressed by any of their choices at the moment. Lamar Jackson's contract situation, although we expect the Ravens to be healthy and that he'll probably play through whatever contract negotiations are pending. But really, that's the battle there for the Cincinnati Bengals in the division then is just Baltimore. I mean, he he certainly finds himself in a pretty good position to be a contender once again. And now Leo Collins, they brought him in to help shore up that O-line for Joe Burrow. So it'll be scary if it looks better, but it might look better this season. We are coming down the stretch here on Canteen Carlin, Amber Wilson and Randy Scott. We've been filling in for the guys. We've had a lot of help on today's show. It has been a show dominated by Deshaun Watson talk because we did get the news today. The breaking news out of the NFL was Deshaun Watson has agreed with the NFL to an 11 game suspension of $5 million fine. Some people are calling that nominal compared to what Deshaun Watson makes understandably. So, but it is the largest fine ever levied to an individual player in NFL history. In fact, no fine had ever even reached the $1 million mark when it comes to an individual player. It's actually the second biggest fine ever uh, in NFL history. When I looked it up uh, second to a team fine in Washington uh, that, that exceeds it. So it, hefty fine by NFL standards and an 11 game suspension. Now, of course, we're all on the Jimmy Garoppolo watch to see if the Browns end up being interested in potentially making a move there. But we had a lot of help in unpacking that subject and plenty more. Keyshawn Johnson stopped by the show to give us his thoughts. We always appreciate him coming by. Michael Case stopped by. We talked a little Yankees with him. Kirk Morrison also helped us out on today's show. Jake Trotter, Chris Canty, he normally hosts this show, but he's been on Greeny this week. And Courtney Cronin rounded out our guest list today. We appreciate all of you. And now it is time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Sometimes it's the worst, sometimes it's the best. This is unequivocally the best, Randy Scott, because legendary college hoops announcer Dick Vitale, one of our very own here at ESPN, he has officially announced once again that he is cancer-free. He took to Twitter and he announced that all of his prayers were answered when Dr. Brown informed him that he was cancer-free once again. 
He got the great news following a myriad of tests this week, Randy. The 83-year-old was forced to step away from doing what he loves most. Uh, Last year, he had beat cancer, but then just a few months later was diagnosed with a lymphoma, and he has been battling that plus issues with his vocal cords. Right now, though, all is well in the health department for Dick Vitale. We're all thrilled to hear that here at ESPN Radio. He has been so public with his fight. He has been so public with his own uh, you know, mental health through it. Um, it, it. So many people get touched by cancer. So many people have negative outcomes um, from cancer. And the idea that someone can work as hard as he did and share his fight and have a turnout the right way. Um, and, it, you know, you got to stay on top of it. You got to stay on top of your post-treatment uh, scans uh, that are going to be happening moving forward. And I know that he will. I know he's got a great team down there. It's just... It was a real boost. It has been a real boost to see his progress in this and to get such positive news when so many of these cases just, you know, don't turn out the right way. So it was it was a real positive thing on social media, a rare, you know, universally positive thing on social media today. It was great. Yes, the rare universally positive thing. Uh, yeah. There's so much good. I and People don't really under I'm a cancer survivor myself, Randy, and people don't really realize that like sometimes there's some very good things that happen on social media when you're going through cancer social media ends up being a remarkable resource in terms of hearing these stories people who are willing to share these stories people mm-hmm. who are helping who are willing to help you through your own story i commend dick vitel for putting it all out there it's not always easy to share what you're going through and he's been very public with it and he's definitely helping people by being so public with his own battle so uh, huge thoughts to Dick Vitale for once again being declared in remission and cancer-free. Welcome back to the Survivor Club, uh, Vitale. So anyways, moving on to some other actual, more a little bit more sports news, far less serious. But there is something going on with Tampa Bay, or at least we hope far less serious because we don't actually know what's going on with Tom Brady, but we know that he's away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, the head coach of the Bucks, Todd Bowles, was really noncommittal earlier today when he was asked by reporters about Brady's return. Originally, we thought that he was going to return to the team here shortly. And now he's saying, well, he's handling personal things. So maybe he won't return to practice on August 22nd, which was, I believe, when we all expected maybe that Brady would return to the team. What do you make of a noncommittal Todd Bowles about Brady's return? I think if it's anybody but Tom Brady, then your level of concern goes up. It sounds like all of this was predetermined, perhaps well before training camp even started. So the idea that you lay out this plan, you know, I listen, Tom Brady wants to be at training camp, I'm sure. I think Tom Brady in his career, you probably count on on two hands the number of days that he's missed. So it is an outlier, and because he's the GOAT, it does stand out. But because he's also, you know, who he is, you you know that he's going to get his business done, he's going to get his training done. I think the air of mystery to it, I think, I think if he were able to say like, hey, there's a family thing, or hey, there's a health thing, or hey, he's going to get something scoped, or whatever it is. I, that would calm a lot of this. But remember, like, just as we said with Dick Vitale, you know, his his family has been touched by cancer. Um, you know, his mom has fought it in the past. And I think sometimes you learn this with age that, you know, work is always going to be there. Like, at the end of the day, you're not going to lament the number of date work days you miss. You're going to miss the number of maybe, you know, appointments you could take your parents to or family events you could be around. So maybe it's a maybe it's just truly that a family thing. But I trust Tom Brady's ability to get himself ready for an NFL season. You better believe his head coach does too. 
it's that air of mystery around it that makes it a little hard to discuss. Because obviously we all hope that it's nothing serious that is keeping Brady away from the right. team. And, and the term personal reasons provides us nothing in terms of evaluating right. what's happening here with Tom Brady. But typically, but otherwise, like if it wasn't Brady, I mean, it was just some player who was 45, which I mean, if, who else would that be other than Tom Brady? <laughs> but I mean, a 45-year-old saying they don't want to show up to training camp, we'd all be like, okay, yeah, then, no, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> And then add that. to it that they're the greatest to ever play this position. It's like, yeah, you know, like maybe show up game six, you know, if you want to take the first <laughs> few games off, that's probably okay too, Tom. I feel like, I feel like you'll be able to figure it out, you know, ease your way back into it at 45, save yourself, yeah. go ahead and get us into the playoffs. So <laughs> it, it, maybe it's just Brady being a 45 year old. Uh, certainly we hope that it's nothing more than that. He deserves any of the rest that he wants though, to take from this team or anything else that he wants to dedicate his time to coming back. I will be here tomorrow. Randy, he won't be.